Chapter Fourteen of the Guilty River. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Barbara Dirksen. The Guilty River by Wilkie Collins. Chapter Fourteen. Gloody Settles the Account. A Night of Fever. A Night When I Did Slumber for a Few Minutes of horrid dreams this was what i might have expected and this is what really happened the fresh morning air flowing through my open window cooled and composed me the mercy of sleep found me when i woke and looked at my watch i was a new man the hour was noon i rang my bell the servant announced that a man was waiting to see me the same man sir who was found in the garden looking at your flowers i at once gave directions to have him shown up into my bedroom the delay of dressing was more than i had patience to encounter unless i was completely mistaken here was the very person whom i wanted to enlighten me gloody showed himself at the door with the face ominously wretched as well as ugly i instantly thought of christelle if you bring me bad news i said don't keep me waiting for it it's nothing that need trouble you sir i'm dismissed from my master's service that's all it was plainly not all relieved even by that guarded reply i pointed to a chair by the bedside do you believe that i mean well by you i asked i do sir with all my heart then sit down gloody and make a clean breast of it he lifted his enormous fist by way of emphasizing his answer i was within a hair's breadth sir of striking him if i hadn't kept my temper i might have killed him what did he do flew into a furious rage i don't complain of that i dare say i deserved it please to excuse my getting up again i can't look you in the face and tell you of it he walked away to the window even a poor devil like me does sometimes feel it when he has insulted mr roylake he kicked me say no more about it sir i would never have mentioned it if i hadn't had something else to tell you only i don't know how in this difficulty he came back to my bedside look here sir what i say is that kick has wiped out the debt of thanks i owe him yes i say the account between us two is settled now on both sides in two words sir if you mean to charge him before the magistrates with attempting your life i'll take my bible oath he did attempt it and you may call me as your witness there now it's out what his master had no doubt inferred was what i saw plainly too crystal had saved my life and had been directed how to do it by the poor fellow who had suffered in my cause we will wait a little before we talk of setting the law in force i said in the meantime gloody i want you to tell me what you would tell the magistrate if i called you as a witness he considered a little the magistrate would put questions to me wouldn't he sir very good you put questions to me and i'll answer them to the best of my ability the investigation that followed was far too long and too wearisome to be related here if i give the substance of it i shall have done enough sometimes when he was awake and supposed that he was alone sometimes when he was asleep and dreaming the cur had betrayed himself 
it was a paltry vengeance i owned to gratify a malicious pleasure as i did now in thinking of him and speaking of him by the degrading name which his morbid humility had suggested but are the demands of a man's dignity always paid in the ready money of prompt submission anyway it appeared that gloody had heard enough in the sleeping moments and the solitary moments of his master to give him some idea of the jealous hatred with which the cur regarded me he had done his best to warn me without actually betraying the man who had rescued him from starvation or the workhouse and he had failed but his resolution to do me good service in return for my kindness to him far from being shaken was confirmed by circumstances when his master returned to the chemical studies which have been already mentioned gloody was employed as assistant to the extent of his limited capacity for making himself useful he had no reason to suppose that i was the object of any of the experiments until the day before the tea-party then he saw the dog enticed into the new cottage and apparently killed by the administration of poison of some sort after an interval a dose of another kind was poured down the poor creature's throat and he began to revive a lapse of a quarter of an hour followed the last dose was repeated and the dog soon sprang to his feet again as lively as ever gloody was thereupon told to set the animal free and was informed at the same time that he would be instantly dismissed if he mentioned to any living creature what he had just seen by what process he arrived at the suspicion that my safety might be threatened by the experiment on the dog he was entirely unable to explain it was borne in on my mind sir and that's all i can tell you he said i didn't dare speak to you about it you wouldn't have believed me or if you did believe me you might have sent for the police the one way of putting a stop to murdering mischief if murdering mischief it might be was to trust miss crystal that she was fond of you i don't mean any offence sir i pretty well guessed that she was true as steel and not easily frightened i didn't need to guess i knew it gloody had done his best to prepare crystal for the terrible confidence which he had determined to repose in her and had not succeeded what the poor girl must have suffered i could but too readily understand on recalling the startling changes in her look and manner when we met at the river margin of the wood she was pledged to secrecy under penalty of ruining the man who was trying to save me and to her presence of mind was trusted the whole responsibility of preserving my life what a situation for a girl of eighteen we made it out between us sir in two ways gloody proceeded first and foremost she was to invite herself to tea and being at the table she was to watch my master whatever she saw him drink she was to insist on your drinking it too you heard me ask leave to make the tea yes well that was one of the signals agreed on between us when he sent me away we were certain of what he had it in his mind to do and when you looked at miss crystal and she was too busy with her brooch to notice you was that another signal it was sir when she handled her silver ornament she told me that i might depend on her to forget nothing and to be afraid of nothing i remembered the quiet firmness in her face 
after the prayer that she had said in her own room. Her steady resolution no longer surprised me. "'Did you wonder, sir, what possessed her?' Gloody went on, when she burst out singing. "'That was a signal to me. We wanted him out of our way while you were made to drink what he had drunk out of the jug.' "'How did you know that he would not drink the whole contents of the jug?' "'You forget, sir, that I had seen the dog revived by two doses, given with a space of time between them.' "'I ought to have remembered this, after what he had already told me. My intelligence brightened a little as I went on. "'And your accident in the next room was planned, of course,' I said. "'Do you think he saw through it?' I should say no, judging by his looks. He turned pale when he felt the floor shaken by your fall. For once in a way he was honest, honestly frightened. I noticed the same thing, sir, when he picked me up off the floor. A man who can change his complexion at will is a man we haven't heard of yet, Mr. Roylake. I had been dressing for some time past, longing to see Crystal, it is needless to say, "'Is there anything more,' I asked, "'that I ought to know?' "'Only one thing, Mr. Roylake, that I can think of,' Gloody replied. "'I'm afraid it's Miss Crystal's turn next.' "'What do you mean?' "'Well, the deaf man lodges at the cottage. "'He means mischief, and his eye is on Miss Crystal. "'Early this morning, sir, I happened to be at the boathouse. "'Somebody, I leave you to guess who it is, has stolen the oars.' I was dressed by this time, and so eager to get to the cottage, that I had already opened my door. What I had just heard brought me back into the room. As a matter of course, we both suspected the same person of stealing the oars. Had we any proof to justify us? Gloody at once acknowledged that we had no proof. I happened to look at the boat, he said, and I missed the oars. Oh, yes, I, I searched the boathouse. No oars, no oars and nothing more that you have forgotten and ought to tell me nothing sir i left gloody to wait my return being careful to place him under the protection of the upper servants who would see that he was treated with respect by the household generally end of chapter fourteen recording by barbara dirksen